Hey guys, it's Megan. It's Brittany. And you're listening to True Colors. The words don't reach. There is suffering too terrible to name. You hold your child as tight as you can. And push away the unimaginable. The moments when you're in so deep. Feels easier to just swim down. And so they move uptown. And learn to live with the unimaginable. I went on the record that I picked the song this week. <laughs> hence why it was Hamilton. I think they knew that, Britt. <laughs> Just from it being Hamilton. Just from it being <laughs> Hamilton, they had to have thought, man, it was Britney this week. It was definitely Britt. <laughs> so, welcome to episode nine. Oh my gosh, is it episode nine? Yep, it's already episode nine. Wow, I have no idea where I am anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think going back to like how we restarted into our new norm, that it's like, where's the days now? It's like a new kind of where's the days. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but it's, um, it's nice to see people out and about again. Um, it's nice to see some family if you haven't gotten to yet. I'm sorry, but... If you got to, great, cool, we're on our way. Um, it was nice to go back to Disneyland. Yes. Um, so lots of big things have been happening, and I think it's just going to slowly get better and better, and we're just excited for, I guess, just l- to live life again. Yeah, a new chapter in a rough two years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's see, a couple things happened since we were last together. Mm-hmm. Um, let's think, what's one big thing? I turned 28. She did. It was her birthday last week, and, you know, we did a bomb birthday party for her. Jersey Shore themed. We announced it a few episodes back, mm-hmm. um, and we actually went through with it. Yes. <laughs> Believe it or not. And everybody dressed up. It was phenomenal. I am... So thankful for the group that came because everybody was into it. Even the people that hadn't even seen the show before. And I thought that that was adorable. Um, So, yeah. So, Britt was Snooky. I was. And I will definitely post a picture of Snooky and Sam. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Megan dressed up as Sam. Sammy Sweetheart. I I was laughing because her boyfriend, Alec, dressed up as Ron. And he, like... He was all about that Ron Ron. Oh, he was so, he made Ron Ron juice. He was hosting. It's not even his house. And he was like right? going around being like, what do you guys want to drink? But it was nice because I felt like I didn't have to really worry about much then. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like everyone was going to be taken care of. So that's really nice. Yeah. Um, but we'll definitely have to post that picture that him and I took of oh, him yeah. like flexing like Ron. Yeah. And I look like annoyed like Sam. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, it's just funny. You know, we wanted to be the complete opposite of what we are in real life. So we're not chaotic. We're not dramatic. We're not. We don't yell at each other. We don't argue. Like we don't make each other insecure. So it it was very interesting getting to play a part for the night, even though we technically weren't playing at all. Night. Yeah, I feel like I think the funniest part of it was like all of us had like the personality of one of the characters, and we just flowed really well, just like in our own unique way. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was I thought it was such a good time. Yeah. Um so yes, so I turned twenty eight, feeling old, closer to thirty. It's fine. I'm fine. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, I'm I'm closer to thirty <laughs> than you are. Yes. Yes, you are. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll always be kids at heart and yeah. Disney will help with that. Definitely. Always. Um and uh my boyfriend is very young at heart, so I feel like I'll always be young at heart with him. So it's yeah. okay. I'll, I'll be okay with that. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to talk about something today. Mm-hmm. And it will lead into the actual topic. Yeah. But we would like to talk about being Team Olivia. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, where are you going to go with this? And I was like, oh, I, I remember where you're going with this. <laughs> told Brittany we are spending 10 to 15 minutes of this podcast just talking about what a queen this 18 year old is right now right just spit firing amazing songs out and mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous so her album came out if you haven't listened to it go listen to it um and if you don't want to listen to the whole thing I think we can easily suggest driver's license yes good for you yes which is a 
banger. Also gives me major Paramore vibes um, from like 2007, mm-hmm. and I love it. I think someone compared her her, her good for you. To I like did. I put Paramo- it, well. It was a TikTok. Remember, I put it on my Instagram. No, no, not story. that one. It was like oh. a comparison. Yeah, you did. Never mind. You did. It was a comparison between Avril Lavigne and her song now, like yeah. how Olivia is now. That how we are. Her early 2000s or yeah early it was like 2007 yeah. yeah and I was like oh my gosh we were in like eighth grade that's crazy um but anyway yeah so I wasn't going to say it but now I'm gonna say it Joshua is trash total trash um and I don't care what anyone says like people can say like oh like you don't know the whole side of the story or whatever I don't care I'm gonna be honest like mm-hmm. first of all she's 18 Something wasn't said. There was some type of conversation that wasn't had. Mm -hmm. And there was some type of suspicion about he cheated on her or at least. And guys, emotional cheating is cheating. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still there. There's emotional cheating, but it's still at the end of the day, there's cheating in the name. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm just like a little frustrated with it. And I'm sorry that, yes, I know I'm almost 30, but I will fight for this little girl because I feel like it's a, a little sister. Like she's almost, she's pretty much the same age as my sister. Yeah. So I'm just like super protective about it. And yeah, forever team Olivia. And I hope she just keeps on rolling out all these songs. And then all I these hope bangers. She, well, I just hope she finds a really cute boy. Yeah. And then it's just like, bye, Joshua. But I think what's so special about her is. She put out an album. It's called Sour, right? Yeah. So she put out this album where it's kind of like anger about the situation. I think her next one is going to be all about her, like, finding herself. Um, And then after finding herself, then she'll find the right guy. Because that's how it works. You know what? That's so funny you should say that. Because, like, what I was thinking in my head is, do you remember when Leah Michelle came out with her first CD right after... Corey I didn't really listen to a whole lot of her solo okay. music, but okay. So her first album was generally an ode to her relationship with Corey Monteith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one was, uh, I want to say another ode to him, but also like a lot of like empowering moving on yeah. kind of one. And so I'm interested to see as she enters motherhood and um, she's talking about releasing another album, how it changes now from like where she started with grief and um, sadness and into a new chapter in her life. So I think you're right with Olivia. She's probably going to go into this like new a self-discovery moment. almost. Yeah. And I think that that's all going to be part of growing up too. Because at the end of the day, even like us, we can even admit being fans that when you listen to it, it brings you back to like a high school feeling of things you feel like everything's the end of the world you know this was probably like one of her first boyfriends yeah um so she has no idea how much is to come yeah like in the future um and she's she's an artist so she what's she doing she's writing it down and she's making a lot of money off of it so totally you know it's like taylor swift she made a lot of money off of every breakup that girl went oh yeah totally um and then she did you know a empowering self-discovery cd and then she went to I Hate Everyone breakup song and everyone's mm-hmm. a snake. And then now here we are and she redid her, her whole original, entire yeah. album. Um, so, you know what? Do whatever you want. They're artists. I don't, I, that's, if I could write music like they could and I could sing and actually have mm-hmm. that voice, I would do the exact same thing. Mood. 1000%. Yeah. So we just basically kind of led into our topic today in a fun way because it is a serious topic. Yes. Um, so our topic today is grief mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about different types of grief, the stages of grief and giving you guys some advice that, you know, we've learned from experiences and hopefully it'll spark some conversation between you and your loved ones about grief. And maybe it'll even help you heal a little bit if you're still dealing with some of it. Yeah. That was a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> It's like, I try. (laughs) (laughs) So like Megan said, we're going to be talking a little bit about what grief is in general. So it's like, um, grief can be many things like we will later get into. It's, um, I think it's something that everyone experiences some way throughout their whole lives. Um, like I said, it'll go through the different types and anyone that's listening probably has gone through like one of these five or six types that we'll talk about later well i think 
just like what you said, it's something that kind of, it's a connection in humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, it's an inevitable in life. Um, and I'm, we're, of course, not, we're talking about the major one, like death, yeah. um, which is an inevitable. But, um, you know, we're just talking about loss in general. Mm-hmm. And that's where we'll kind of lead with it. But I know that we do want to start with um, kind of an introduction briefly of the five stages of grief, which I'm sure... We've all heard it's on pretty much every show. Um, They talk about it somehow. I know Grey's Anatomy does a really good job with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you guys watch Grey's Anatomy, I don't know if you do. But if you do, um, or even if you don't, it's on Netflix. And you should go watch the episode where she explains the five stages of grief throughout the whole episode. Um, Because I think it's, uh, it was really well put. So do you want to... Go ahead and talk about the first one. Brenda. Yeah. Um, the first one is denial. Like you're denying the situation in general. Like you're sitting there and almost like not coming to terms with the situation. And I mean, we all have gone through it when we lose someone or lose a part of us essentially. And it's something that takes a minute to realize that you're doing it. And it kind of leads into like the second um stage of grief which is uh anger which i feel like more more people sometimes experience that even before denial um yeah i almost think the two of them go hand in hand like it's almost like you either start with a denial or you start with anger and it's like it's a hit or miss on who starts it off yeah absolutely and i think you know again it's just depending on the type of loss Mm -hmm. um but i also i do think that You know, you're angry, you know, whether you, um, you know, believe in God and you're angry at God. You're like, why would you let this happen to me? You know, like I said, whether it's a person that you lost, Mm -hmm. you're asking, why did you do this? Why did you take them away? If it's, you know, a job, then like, why did you take this away? Like, you're supposed to provide for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think anger, in a sense, has a subtext or, yeah, subtext of questioning. Not just questioning God or whatever you believe in, but questioning like yourself like Mm -hmm. did I make this happen am I the reason this is happening like did I make a turn somewhere wrong did I make a wrong choice like you know it it does it makes you question your life a little bit oh yeah and then that leads into the third one which is bargaining um you're essentially like if if you are someone that believes in God you're asking him to like why did you not take me instead of that person or why did you do this like I'll do anything to get it back or I'll do anything to have a chance to feel that again and I mean it's going back to like um when you're grieving a person you're like asking to trade places and why did I have to go through this and give me a sense of purpose like I will do anything for that sense of purpose and it's like you're negotiating with a not a ghost but you're negotiating with yourself essentially and you go down a path where you're just trying to figure out how to completely get through grief and you'll do anything to get through it so you're bargaining with the fact that you want to get through it yeah and I think another one with um bargaining that I can remember at least from because we already talked about Grey's Anatomy and I just feel like they do a great job with all of that um there's a part on the show where one of their characters April I believe she's in a car accident or something or is hit by a bus or something like that. Oh, it was, oh, no, it was her. She got hit by a car or hit her car, car turned over. It yeah. Was right before she left, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she got hit by a car and she was uh, pregnant, I believe, at the time. And she was in the bed and she wasn't waking up. And Jackson, another character who's not even with her at this moment, mm-hmm. um, he's by her bedside and Jackson the whole show is that he does not believe in God yeah he doesn't think that there's anything out there he only believes in science all of this and he's sitting there in this scene and I'll never forget it because he's bawling crying looking up at God and saying if you if you um let her stay like don't don't take April and that's his like the show showing bargaining yeah um and it was interesting because for someone who doesn't believe in God and had enough strength in that moment to call out to him. Yeah. You know, that's what a lot of military guys say, too, is they say, you know, if you go into the military, you don't believe in God. You know, you get there and they're like, 
when you're down in a ditch and there's guns and bombs and everything going mm. off around you, you want to believe someone's out there listening. Yeah. And um, so that's that's just part of it. Um, you know what other show I think does a uh, interesting way of dealing with uh, the five stages before we get down to the last two is Glee. The season after Corey died, there was different parts where you saw the different stages of grief. Like, especially in the episode where they did the celebration, you see the denial at some points and you see each of them going through different. I hate that episode. I know. It's one of the best episodes, but one of the worst episodes. I've watched it one time when it came out. I have not watched it since. My family has rewatched the show. They've watched it again. I cannot sit through that episode. See, I can't get past right before that he passed away. The season that he passes, I can't watch. It's almost like it doesn't happen. I think the reason that the fans connected so much, one, was it wasn't a character that died. Yeah. It was the actual person. Yeah. And then not even that, you take Ryan Murphy's brilliant. And he did every single one of those takes was a one take because he said he wanted authentic reaction. So I believe the one that hits me a lot is uh, the character Santana, which is also very sad because she passed last year. Um, That show, man, they have some bad juju or something. Bad juju. Um, But she is singing her song, If I Die Young. And I think the way that it was scripted was that she was actually supposed to sing the song and then say something like like insulting like that's who her character was so she was going to say something like oh man like finn and his like fat ass would probably be up in heaven like laughing at me right now or something like she was supposed to make an insulting comment as a joke because that's her character but when they filmed it she broke down in the middle of the song and everyone went to go to try and hug her and those were the actors trying to hug her that were not that was not the character no and that was so powerful because of that. Honest to God, I think that was one of the most, it was one of the hardest scenes to watch. And again, it goes through the five stages of denial or uh, grief because you see that each of these characters are representing a different kind. And so I think what the one that gets me every time is when Rachel walks up to the little memorial thing that they did and she just... Because that's the first time you see her the whole... We, no one expected her yeah. to even be in that episode. Because she, the only reason why they continued was... The only reason why they did the episode, Ryan Murphy says, was because she decided to continue. And that she thought that it would be the thing that he would want. Which is really interesting because, like I said, the song she sings, Make You Feel My Love, yeah. I can't listen to without, like, Hard bawling song. my eyes yeah. out. And so I think I can't believe she made it through that whole song. Right? All I got to say, like and she's think, a true performer. Yeah. And if you ever get a chance to listen to her CD, um, the one that she li- she uh, records, he listened to every song except for the last song. And you can see her different levels of grief throughout her CD. And the very last song is uh, "If You Say So," and it's such a like emotional song. But like I said, Glee was they did it very well. From what I remember of the seasons after he passed away, like each character had gone through different parts of the stages and they talked about, it, I think at one point too. And it's so impactful that certain directors and shows hit you that way. Like Grey's, mm. every time they did one of those cliffhangers. And they like, I think that's something too, like when you're talking about Glee, is I remember an episode where one of the characters almost commits suicide, mm-hmm. Karofsky. Mm-hmm. And they were all sitting in this circle, and the, it was brilliant. They had Mr. Shu, which is the teacher, they had him basically say, tell me something you're excited for in the future. Because he didn't want any one of them to think like this was it. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's just it. You know, they all do a really good job, and it leads into the next one, which is depression, which <laughs> I feel like is one that um, everyone goes through. Yeah. Consistently, oh, even yeah. if it's like, you know, it's not even about, like, you know, someone you lost anymore. Now it's about this job. Now it's about your life. Now it's about yourself. Now it's about your relationship. How about your family? Like, depression is very, very common in our society, and mm-hmm. I think that our world is doing a lot better at addressing it now, oh, yeah. um, which they did not used to, especially for men, in my opinion. Um, they're addressing it a lot more, making a point to let people know that 
it doesn't make you less masculine it doesn't make you less of a man if you're sad be sad yeah if you're being emotional about something be emotional and don't be like oh you're acting like a girl and that's just you know that's really important because i think a lot of men feel like they have to keep things bottled up Mm -hmm. thinking well i'm not going to be perceived as the protector or the man or something like that and it's ridiculous that it took us this long to realize that but here we are i think depression is one of the harder ones to get through yeah absolutely i mean it's it's always hard when you're down and you got to pick yourself back up Mm -hmm. you know because that's you can't rely on someone else to do that for you you know we all want to say well like my i'll I'll say like like i'm not going to be like oh my boyfriend's going to pick me back up or my mom's going to pick me back up or my friends or anything like that because at the end of the day that's that's a battle within yourself yeah um and that's important to address that leading into our fifth one which is acceptance i think at that point you kind of like come to the realization that no matter what the situation of loss you're feeling you're realizing that there's no way you can change it there's a way you can move on from it and that's something i think i've always advocated when it came to the loss of my cousin it's like you can i've gone through these things and i've gotten through it it's not easy to get through it any type of loss and for some people depression is the hardest one but once they get to the acceptance you you as a person realize that you overcame the biggest hurdle in life is getting through loss getting through that struggle and you accept not only what happened but yourself at that moment absolutely and i think we're both um really big fans of uh tyler perry's medea plays (laughs) yes and medea says this incredible line that i think got spread all over tiktok during the pandemic um and i'm happy because i'm hoping it got people to watch these plays because i think that there's some really good life lessons in there and medea says um i think it was actually about in the play i think it was about someone like a breakup so it wasn't like a death or anything Ooh, I know what you're talking about. and she says or he says whatever you want to say i don't care medea is she so medea says um you can fall down let it hurt cry about it and it says but don't stay down there too long Mm -hmm. you got to pick yourself back up and you got to move on and i think the biggest part that people move past in that is don't let yourself stay down there too long because i think like we have a society of like excuses a lot of the time you know Mm -hmm. and it's like don't make an excuse for yourself because whether it's a person, whether it's a job, whether it's whatever, you know, a friendship, a relationship, you got to move on with your life, you oh, know, yeah. and life is going on. It's and it's going on while you're sitting here being depressed, while you're sitting here, you know, down on yourself, while you're sitting here down on life. And the thing is, is that you're missing out on life. Speaking of a Medea quote, I do there's one that really gets me it's kind of piggybacking off what you just said and it's like every morning is a chance to forget the pains of yesterday and we see the chance of a new day to dance and laugh again to make up the wrong things done and most of all it's god's reminder that he is sending another blessing called life so it's getting through that one hurdle and you realizing that there's more than just your grief hitting you absolutely you shouldn't dwell that's the point of a lot of media plays is say do not dwell Mm because you're holding yourself back and you're hurting yourself ultimately because you know like let's take let's take away you know like death okay Mm -hmm. let's talk about like friendships or relationships that other person's not sitting there dwelling they're moving on yeah you know and if or a job when you lose a job what are you going to do? You got to get up, get another job, mm-hmm. you know, move on. Maybe this was God's way of saying you have another purpose in this life. It mm-hmm. wasn't that yeah. time to move forward. Yeah. You know? And so that's, that was my ultimate like point is just like, we got to stop making excuses. We got to stop saying like, you know, I'm not going to get into another relationship because he broke my heart so bad. Yeah. Or I'm not going to have another like, like me i won't have another like friendship with a male because my last male friendship was just trash yeah but it's like don't don't be that way you know keep moving forward and just keep telling yourself like i can do this and there's the thing is is you got to be telling yourself that you can't have other people telling you you can do it because 
Like, I could sit here all day and night and tell Brittany how amazing she is and how wonderful and how loving and giving. and But she's not going to believe it until she believes it herself. Yeah. I think I piggybacking off of that, it's just... I think that that's something that people forget because they're so used to leaning on people. And they're so used to, like, the acceptance that they think they need is the people around them. And it's not necessarily that. Like you said, it has to be the... It starts with the person that is doing the grieving or is dealing with a sense of loss of purpose life anything it's it's they have to at the end of the day accept themselves and accept the problems that they have in order to move on yeah absolutely and so we I know that we were leading into we kind of already talked a lot about it but we're talking about the types of grief there are um but we're going to touch a little bit on how it affects each person because I think that'll lead a lot into our advice that we would give afterwards um, so the first one obviously is the obvious feeling of loss that I think hits very hard on everyone is the loss of a person. Um, something that, like we said, is inevitable, something that we know is bound to happen, but it still is never what we would want. You know, someone, it could be a grandparent that's 95 years old and it still hits and you're just like, no, like I wanted more time. It's not fair. I think with losing a person, the stages of grief, just using that as an example, I think that every person varies in how they go through it. So, like, when you're giving advice to a friend saying, oh, well, I, it took me, like, this many times till I got through it or this amount of time before I got through it. And it's something to caution about because where I took, I've taken so much time to get through just the denial stage. Megan could simply have sped through it in a different situation, you know, where, you know, acceptance is quicker for some. You have to be willing to understand that the loss of a person, it's different degrees of loss, you know? Well, and like you have to also be um, conscious of the type of person that you're talking to because if you're... Like, like for me, all of my friends, all my family know that I have like a super strong faith, never had an issue with it, even through very hard times, even through losing our, my cousin through cancer, even through losing my grandpa through cancer, you know, losing my great grandma after that, losing my other grandma to dementia. All of these things were happening like one after the other. And the thing is, is that, yeah, I got angry. I would say about my cousin the most. I was the most angry, probably because he was young and he had a young son and all of that. And he was just getting his life going and stuff. But the thing is, is that, like, I think people knew that when it came to talking to me about it, I didn't necessarily need fixing or healing from anyone. I just needed to go through it. And I'm, I'm a very to myself person when it comes to that stuff so like if you talk to me I'm not going to be like talking about it all the time but in my head I'm still going through the stages not now but I'm saying like I was going through the stages for a long period of time but I'm not telling a lot of people that I'm going through them I'm just handling it because in my head and again this is just by the person I am it's between me and God it has nothing to do with anyone else around me I'm not going to let it like make me not be close to my friends you know distance from my family I just know that I have to life goes on yeah. and then and I know at the end of the day where I'm going so I know where he is so I'm not stressing about it see and I almost wish I could be like that I I do have a faith in God and all that stuff but I think for me especially during this these last couple of months dealing with grief and it's almost like forefront right now it's trying to get past the stages in a sense of understanding like I'm a person that needs to know like why like it's just my personality has always been that way like why this why that and so for me especially losing my grandpa it's been like but why did it have to be this way why am I I don't want it to be this way I wish I had more time I wish I like going through the stages of grief like for a while and I'm still in that stage where I'm angry I'm angry about the situation but I know that it's good I almost can see acceptance but I can't get through the accepting part yet. Like, I can't get through the anger stage of this. So, like, I'm like, why am I so angry? Why did this have to happen? It's like, at that point, you're, like, questioning everything, which 
kind of like leads into like not just grief as loss of a family member it's the grief of losing a friendship you know like two different types of grief but they also pull out the same emotions almost I completely agree with that, and I think the biggest reason that that makes sense is because if you think about it, a friendship, just like your relationship with a family member or a friend that passes, that's years of your life, mm-hmm. and it it's not that it, you question whether it wasted your life in any way, but you do. You question the why. You go, well, why did I have to go through this hurt with this friend? What did I do wrong? Yeah, what did I do to deserve that? Yeah. And that's where I had to sit back, especially last year. You know this, Brett, better than anyone. I had to sit back and I had to say, maybe I was the answer to their prayer. Yeah. Instead of the other way around. Oh, yeah. Because I kept thinking, because I wasn't even concerned anymore about, I was never concerned about them losing me. I was always concerned, like, wow, look what I lost. Yeah. And, you know, that comes with also value, self-value, self-worth. You know, we're all working on it every day. But that was something that I questioned was I questioned my worth and my value. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like, for that to have happened, like, you know, that leads into another loss. Loss of self. Yeah. That's what I absolutely felt was I felt like I lost myself within the friendship. I was no longer me. I wasn't, I was concerned about things that really had no effect on the world or making a difference. And all the things that I cared about, I didn't care because all I wanted to do was make this person happy. And I wanted to do everything they wanted to do and on their time. And when they needed me and when they wanted me, that's when I was, what I was going to do. And I think that's unfair. It's unfair to yourself because like, I know for me, I lost a sense of myself when I was going through a loss of a friendship. Like, that was really hard on me because, like, I had been with this friend for all through middle school and into high school and also college. Like, I thought this was my one of my best friends. And I remember her and I having a falling out. And it was just one of the hardest things because you think this is the person that was going to sit next to you at the altar she was going to be your aunt to your kids and all this stuff and I lost a sense of what who I was as a friend like am I good enough like this stuff keeps happening so like I'm becoming not I feel like I'm the bad friend I'm going through this and I'm losing myself I'm losing my ability to like move on like when you or when you break up with someone like it's another sen- another relationship that's ending like you kind of like some people and I know listeners will sit there and say well what did I do wrong in this relationship especially if they're the one that's being broken up with it's like what did I do wrong or what happened to us like what happened to this because I know when I one of my exes in high school I sat there and I was like oh my god, like, I did something, like, I ended this, like, it's my fault, it's, and then you start losing yourself in a sense, because you're like, should I change me, should I go, should I be more like this, this, and this, and you just lose direction into your own self, you know? Yeah, and, you know, ultimately, when you're losing yourself, exactly, that's what it is, you're losing direction, You've forgotten the reason of where you wanted to go with your dreams, with your happiness, because you were so concerned about creating someone else's. Oh, yeah. And, you know, (laughs) it just makes me laugh now because I think where I am now and I, I couldn't imagine who I was even a year ago today. Yeah. Like, I'm talking like last May where I was at and, um, wasn't happy and it wasn't secure Mm -hmm. and it was questioning everything and everyone and you know it it caused trust issues it causes so many problems but the point is is that behind all of these different types of loss Mm -hmm. you know that's just it it is what it is it's loss and you need to let yourself go through it I had to let myself (laughs) spend a lot of time by myself um and I don't mean you gotta like hole up in your room or anything like that I'm saying like 
Find the things that make you happy again. If that's your friends, it's your friends. If it's your family, it's your family. If it's reading the Bible, read the Bible. If it's, you know, watching motivational videos, watch motivational videos. If it's watching rom-coms, do it. Like, who, who, when did it become such a thing for us to let other people determine what makes us happy? It's not up to people anymore to sit there and define your happiness by the people you have around you or the amount of people you have around you. That's something I had to realize when, you know, I stopped talking to one friend, I stopped talking to most of them. And so you realize like the loss of that friendship obviously was a big deal, but then, but is it better to have lost that friendship or lose yourself into that friendship? And that's a question I think a lot of people need to ask themselves because at the end of the day, like, is it worth it? Like going through these stages of grief and then, either you go to acceptance or you go back to denial it's it's once you hit depression it's like a crossroads like are you gonna go left or right are you gonna go back to the beginning of your grief or do you try to move on from it and like you said find something that you like to do find something that you enjoy what to do and enjoy life again and it's something that i think is taught in many things like not just um through like our like certain shows it's through the music you listen to through the um engaging with the friends that you do still talk to it's i think that's your band-aid over not a band-aid but like a healing over all that pain yeah absolutely and the um we did want to do a little bit of an advice section which can never be a bad thing i think that we wanted to talk about advice all right, so I know we wanted to do a little bit of an advice part, so we'll just do like one each, I think, right? Okay, so what would be the best piece of advice for someone who um, is experiencing loss, like currently in it? So as someone who's dealing with it right now, I would tell someone like, let yourself feel because one of the biggest things I'm struggling with is l- allowing myself to feel whatever I'm feeling. Like, I'm so wanting to be okay for everyone else and drive that that I've forgotten to feel. So, like, I've taken the, the steps into, like, what was it? I was telling you earlier that anger is my driving force right now. And so I've decided to move myself away from people that I don't feel comfortable around right now and just stay where I need to stay like even at work I won't go and work with many people right now because right now I'm still at the angry stage so I tell people like I'm just focusing on me so focus on yourself like long story short focus on yourself and allow yourself to feel the feelings that you're feeling because you can't be okay for everyone and not yourself I agree no honestly like I probably would have given the exact same advice um I'll just add because you can always count on me to give the christian perspective (laughs) um but i say you know i would just talk to god more pray i'm gonna tell you that's how i got through last year is i just got down on my knees cried and about the situation and just felt lost and so i just started praying and i started doing that every single day twice a day once in the morning once at night probably during the day too because i tend to talk to someone when I'm in the car and if no one's in there I'm assuming that's who I'm talking to (laughs) Um, otherwise I am crazy (laughs) so like that's that would probably be like my best piece of advice because at least for me like that's what got me through it um you know going to church all that stuff spend more time with your family and honestly spend some time away from your family too if they're the ones that are driving you nuts right um I think you know especially I think we both are this way, you know, our families are just so important to us that we don't want to ever make them feel that they're not being thought about or considered. Um, But I think both of us had to learn that sometimes you really do have to pull yourself away to handle your own ish. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you don't do that, then you're just going to be more sad. And to be honest, you're useless. If we don't vocalize it to our family, they just think we're in a bad mood. Um, and we've seen what that can lead to and we don't want that. And so the thing is, is that talk to someone, vocalize it, let people know, Hey, I just need some time. Um, and they're going to listen and then they're not going to listen, but you have to definitely take that time for yourself. So my question is, what are some techniques to help 
through the healing process. Okay, I already gave one. Sorry, praying. Always, <laughs> always on there. Always on there. Always on there. I would probably say, I'm just going to say the things that helped me. And honestly, ours are probably the same. So just probably. tell me yes or no. I think writing things down, yes. um, whether that be journaling, Brit is a story writer, writing a story. Um, I write my prayers down. Uh, I write, you know, just letters to to people even if they're not here anymore things i wanted to say that i didn't get to say uh things like that um music i think i think music is so such a powerful force it's ridiculous um it could be a song with no words in it and you can you can feel the emotion behind the art and and it's usually something that you can connect with you know i think every situation in my life i think of the song i think wow that was the song that i was listening to in a moment you really just sit there and you're like you listen to that song you remember where you were listening to that song exactly yeah and that that's what's powerful about it i think it's that connection Mm -hmm. um to those moments i mean how many of us are like when we think of oh freshman year of high school like what song do i think of you know you think of something something draws you back to that moment teardrops on my guitar (laughs) okay there you go um yeah, I think we we honestly had the best generation because all of those songs related to us in those moments because yeah. we grew up with Taylor. Mm-hmm. So, like, Teardrops came out when we were freshmen. 15 came out when we were, like, entering sophomore year. Like, all of these, they were when we were turning th- these ages. So, um, like, when 22 came out, I was like, ooh, I'm one year away. Let's yep, go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then uh, what about you? What are some techniques? Um, um, it's actually funny you should say about the writing thing. So... Actually, when my grand, my Papa Marvin passed away, I was writing a fan fiction about a, um, uh, I was writing a Glee fan fiction. It was her talking to her dad at the gravesite where a character that I based off of myself was talking to her grandpa in the grave. And it's just everything I wanted to say to him, I said in that moment. And someone had mentioned, they had read it and they're like, I was feeling what you were feeling in that moment. And it's so, it it brought me to tears because I thought of my dad, I thought of my brother, I thought of my sister and whatever. And so for me, using your own experiences to voice, I think that's been helping me a lot when um, I just talked to another cast member the other day and she lost her grandfather due to covid and um we had a nice conversation she's like man i really wish i was around where you are right now with your grieving your grieving step and i'm here still painful but like voicing how i've gotten through it i almost feel like it's a grieving source of help you know like i don't cry as much because now i'm sitting here voicing what was going on with myself for other people so, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing to help me. Yeah, sorry. I was looking at our next question. I just realized it's definitely repetitive. <laughs> yeah. So, it was all, one of my questions was, what's something, what is one of those five stages that you can remember clearly as an adult now that hit you the hardest? I was like, a few of them. Hold on. Let me pick yeah. one. <laughs> let me put them into words. Let me pick one. I would probably say, okay, I'm going to say anger because it's interesting I think that even at a young age I had a very clear understanding of God and the way the world worked and how life works like you know of course I I went through stages of being scared of death you know running into my mom's room and stuff but um when my papa passed I was 10 years old 9 years old 10 years old um and I, like, clearly, like, distinctly remember the house we grew up in. Because we moved around a lot. And I remember um, the house that we grew up in. I was in my mom's bathroom. No idea why I chose her bathroom, by the way. But I think it's because no one was in that room. It was, like, during the day. And I remember just going into the bathroom. And it had, like, this big mirror in it. And I put my hands on the sink. I was, like, 10. Let's just mind you. Um, And I went I put my hands on the sink. And I was just, like crying watching myself in the mirror cry like hard and I just remember like yelling at God like just being like why would you do this and I can tell you very clearly that yes I felt it 
but it had nothing to do with me in that moment. I remember it had everything to do with my mom. And I knew that as hard as this was for me, you know, I had my papa for 10 years. And that may not sound like a lot for people. A lot of people get a lot more years. But I had him for 10 years of my life. A lot of great memories. But that's my mom's dad. And then I thought about it and I was like, I can't be here so hurt right now because I need to understand what she's going through and then of course it made me more sad because I'm 10 and I started thinking like shoot what if my dad died right now and again only got 10 years with him but it just always felt like such a a, it's gonna happen any minute thing Mm -hmm. um and so I distinctly remember watching myself I could probably see in 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 my head right now what I was wearing and everything watching myself in the mirror crying and just yelling at god like why would you do this to my mom and like i think that speaks volumes of who i am now (laughs) like still am um i almost feel like i get where you're coming from with that situation because i think especially in this past year that was me a couple months ago like i was so angry at myself because i was like sitting there like yeah i got 28 years with him but the lifetime my mom is missing with her dad it's just it was one of the hardest realizations for myself you know I think for me my hardest one was denial I was in such denial after my cousin Karina passed away I was in I did not leave my so well you were young too yeah I was 12 so very hard to grasp yeah (laughs) so my biggest thing was so I can remember that day ever so vividly so my dad would get us up in the morning for school and something was different about that day and I felt it and so I remember my dad coming in my room I was on the top bunk my sister's on the bottom and he's like I need you guys to come into my room that has happened twice in my life and that was when my dad told me my uncle Chris passed away in Iraq and so I do remember that. So I instantly almost knew my cousin was gone. So I refused to get out of my bed. And my dad came into my room and he held me and he's like, Brittany, I'm sorry. And I just remember being so angry. And I was in denial. I was like, no, I'm not leaving my room. She's not gone. It's fine. Like, stop joking. And I think in that moment, I was just so angry that denial and anger kind of morph into one thing and I was like what is this really is this real is this happening like why why are you doing this like this isn't fair like she's seven like you know I'm going through these things but then like you I had to get my stuff together because I had my brother my sister my cousins who just lost their sister and my brother who's basically lost his twin my sister had lost her cousin so I'm sitting there like get your stuff together because you can't fall apart and I've talked to you about it like I had to accept that this was I had to go through my stuff later in life because I had to sit there and accept that this was real so that I could help them go through their grief. Which in the end of the day, I don't think is the most healthy thing to do. Please don't ever do that. Um, go through it. Deal with it. Whatever. Um, but like you, you realize that you can't fall apart. You're the, you have to be the stronger one. Because yes, I had seven amazing years with her. But think of how her mom feels. Think of how her sister feels. Like, you know. So I think denial and anger were like not my best friends during that time well I don't I don't feel like I felt that way though I don't feel like I felt like I couldn't fall apart Mm -hmm. I just knew that while I was going through it I couldn't isolate like that I think that was my biggest thing is like I couldn't isolate from my mom from my siblings from my grandma like going through all this you know I just thought I can't I can't do that because like I don't know I felt I felt selfish if I did that I was like I don't want to do that you know and at the same time like I said I feel like I just I I can handle it well and I don't I don't know where that stems from I really don't I don't know why at such a young age I was like that but you know I'm I'm grateful that I am because I think that we do all have different gifts and all all have different strengths and we're going to use them differently 
but they're going to come out when they're supposed to come out, you know? And so don't ever feel like you're not being enough or you're not being, um, you know, the strongest in the room or the bravest or anything like that, because you're being exactly who you were meant to be in that moment. And honestly, if there's anything you should take from this, it's exactly that. Like you were supposed to feel these feelings like you can't just hide away and that's something I learned this year with losing my grandfather it's I can't just avoid the feeling I have to just go through it and that's something we want every listener to understand and if you need to talk to someone talk to just about anyone there's beautiful outlets um not everyone's for therapy but I think one of the coolest thing is um if you have insurance, your insurance usually covers a good amount of sessions. Um, if you happen to work for Disney, they do offer free s- sessions for you. Um, there's also a lot of suicide prevention lines. Uh, there's actually a song um, from, uh, can't even think of it right now. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, use that number. You know, I would just say, like, you know, just talk to someone. Like, don't let it get to the point where you've let it build up so much that you have a complete meltdown and you feel so low that you don't even want to be here anymore. And, um, you know, that that happens more often than we think. And it's more obvious with some people and it's not so obvious with a lot of a lot more people. And so, you know, just be be that friend, be that ear, be that shoulder Um, But at the same time, allow other people to be that for you, too. Don't push people away during moments like this. Um, And that's all I got to say about grief. Um, I do have a quote if you want to do that next. Quote of the week. When are we making that jingle? Now that we have these cool mics. We do have some (laughs) cool new mics. So we're going to have to. All right. Well, my quote... Because I come from the Lauer family. Um, It's from Rocky. Mm -hmm. And um, one of our favorite men, Sylvester Stallone, said this great quote. I think he wrote it for the movie. I'm not quite sure. I'll get back to you on that. But um, here's the quote. It says, you, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward that's how winning is done i like that one mic drop i'm not gonna drop these mics please don't drop these mics super nice (laughs) to you to not drop these mics but like we said it's something that we both this was one topic that we both kind of like discussed in the early stages of true colors that we did want to do because i think this is a topic that not a lot of people talk about out loud At least when I was growing up, it wasn't something we really talked about. But as an adult now, I see it a lot more. But, like, this is something that you can have a conversation with your friends, your families, yourself. A stranger. You know, I think that's it, too, though, Britt. Our listeners have gone through grief with us. Mm -hmm. um, Through all different types of loss since this podcast started. And I think, like, that's um, kind of special that we've reached this point where we are at acceptance most for most of it um and on our way at the same time and it's kind of cool that you guys were here along for the journey as we got there so thank you to you (laughs) and tune in next week for another episode keep showing those true colors